0: The situation unfolding in India currently is absolutely catastrophic. It's horrific. India reporting another 323,000-plus infections today, and about 115 people are dying of COVID-19 every single hour. Here is Respirologist Dr. Lance Pinto from India saying, the country was taken by surprise by just the sheer scale Of this latest surge?
1: I think nobody anticipated the scale or the magnitude of uh, what we are facing right now. I think all of us uh, got a little complacent based on the fact that the numbers uh, reduced to such low levels in the month of January that we thought that the worst was behind us.
0: Doesn't that sort of ring a bell, obviously, on a much smaller scale for the province of Ontario and really the country of Canada, where we did believe that we had turned the corner and that the worst was behind us, only to see a surge? Here's Dr. Pinto again talking about the aid that India needs now.
1: I think what we need are could be split into what we need immediately. And clearly what we need
0: immediately is escalation in
1: oxygen supplies, escalation in ventilators, bed availability to patients who desperately need it. And I think a lot has been done. I think there's a lot of aid coming in from countries across the world where we have oxygen tanks which are being sent to us.
0: For example, the first shipment of medical aid has arrived from Britain, including 100 ventilators and 95 oxygen concentrators. France is sending breathing machines, ICU gear, oxygen as well. Here is Indian Dr. Gautam Singh saying that the supplies are desperately needed because the supplies that they have in India are running low. We have young patients who will die in the matter of two hours. I request you, please send oxygen to us. We need oxygen for our patients. Please send oxygen to us. An emotional plea from an Indian doctor there calling on the world to respond and help India. The Trudeau government has said that it will help, but at this point has not provided any specifics about aid. And this is not just about what is happening a world away. This has an enormous impact on us here in this country, not only because there's an impact on uh, vaccine exports from India, but we're talking about our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, those of us that have family in India. There are so many of us being directly impacted. And Sri Paradkar is a columnist with the Toronto Star, has a, a really interesting and moving piece today about how this is impacting Canadians and joins me on the line. Shri, tell me about some of the Indo-Canadians that you've spoken to.
1: Um. Alan, by saying that there is no one I have spoken to that has not been impacted. There is nobody that I know that doesn't know somebody who has either died of COVID or is struggling with it. Um, And so it's it's very dire. Those numbers that we spoke about, you know, you talked about earlier in the show, you know, 350,000 cases, those are vastly undercounted. That's At least by conservative estimates, it's at least 10 times undercounted. So we're talking about, you know, three and a half million cases per day, not three, uh, not 350,000 cases. And in terms of death, it is impossible to estimate what kind of deaths um, there are. I just, uh, I have, you know, cousins who are doctors. I just got off the phone from a family member in India who was saying uh, that, you know, there are, there are. Sometimes you have to have in many hospitals, government public hospitals, you have to. They're so overcrowded that you have to show a COVID positive certificate before they can let you in. And not, and there are so few labs. um, There are some fly-by-night operators. There is this new mutant of COVID that doesn't uh, automatically and always show up on the uh, the nasal swab test. Um, there is also the problem that after seven days, it doesn't show up in that test. So you have severe symptoms, but that's not the test that's going to show it. So, sometimes you need a CT scan. So there are a lot of people with COVID who are not able to get admission into hospitals. And when they are dying, whether at home, sometimes on streets, they're not counted as COVID deaths. So in terms of data, that is just you know completely out of the window and Crematoriums and burial grounds are overflowing, simply overflowing. So it is it is devastating to a scale that I have never seen in my lifetime.
0: You've you've spoken to, um, Indo Canadians here who say that their family are terrified of actually ever going to the hospital because if you go into the hospital, you, you don't come out.
1: You're not. Yeah, I spoke to a um, yeah, a McGill epidemiologist who was talking about her family and she was she's a physician and she was trying to tell them she said hey all of these symptoms are covid and you need to go you know her mother was hyperventilating she had low oxygen and her brother and her mother they both said uh, no because if you go to the hospital you're not coming out alive um and so people would rather just stay home and and die than go somewhere else and not have access to medical care but not even be in a place where you're comfortable um and in any case, I mean, doctors, my cousins who are doctors, they are just, you know, run ragged, right? Like there is no – nobody could ever have been prepared for this. Um, having said that, having said that, I do think that the government of India bears uh, responsibility for some of its decisions because scientists have been telling them, just as in Ontario, scientists have been telling – warning them about this is their second wave, uh, Ontario's third wave. And um, they didn't—not only did they not heed what the scientists said, but they even gave the go-ahead for a major um, Hindu festival that takes place every 12 years. It was due to happen next year, but astrologers decided that this was a good year to have it, and the government, with its, you know, far-right religious um, ideology decided in its wisdom that this was the time to have it. And so you had millions of people descending for this festival, many without masks, and many of them who then carried, uh, not only contracted the disease, but also when they returned, spread it back to various parts of the country.
0: I'm speaking with uh, Shri Paradkar, who is a writer with the Toronto Star. Do you see a, a link between... The populist politics in India, and Brazil, and United States—perhaps formerly, but still populist—in Ontario. Just, just that populist politics, regardless of where you are on the uh, on the sliding scale of the political spectrum, that this is sort of what you end up with.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think there is definitely a strain of populism. Particularly between, let's say, Doug Ford in Ontario, Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil, Narendra Modi in India, for sure. But there is also the alignment with power, the alignment with who, whom do you need to keep happy? And in all of these cases, the people that you need to keep happy are the people with deep pockets. Whether it's you know why you won't give sick, you know paid sick leave, whether it is um, you know why you won't shut down certain workplaces. Uh, whether it is you know that you will allow election rallies to still continue, um, and in the case of Modi, just like Trump, even his photo appearing in people's vaccination certificates. And sometimes this is unverified, but I saw something on social media that there was a death certificate with his with his photo on it because he's campaigning. Um, so, so you know there is a whole cult of um, personality. That is being developed in very dangerous ways, in very irresponsible ways, that don't actually do right by the very people who vote for them.
0: It is um, so concerning, Shree, and um, thank you for bringing some of the stories uh, to us. And I appreciate that very much.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you. If I can, if you have one minute, I'd just like mm-hmm. to add Please. that uh, what Canadians, you know, there is so many of us are feeling this helplessness because, yes. you, you know, here we can, we can go for rallies. We can, we can do things. You know, all of us are looking for a way to convert that helplessness into action. And there are ways to donate. I would suggest trying. Um, uh, there's a, web, a new website called in India, COVID Dot org. Uh, there is the Khalsa aid. There is Sewa S E W A Canada. And a lot of them are looking at community groups on the ground uh, who are getting oxygen, who are getting, you know, sanitary pads for women who run out. They're getting, they're doing all sorts of on-the-ground work that is really required. And the second thing I would suggest is we need to take a page from our um, American neighbors and move the government. You know, America had this—they um, had a ban on exporting uh, vaccine materials, um, and then Americans moved the government and on Saturday, on Sunday, sorry, Biden announced that they would be um, taking, withdrawing that ban. Similarly, we do need to put pressure on Canada to stop blocking a proposal to waive patterns that would allow poor countries to make vaccines. Now, India is, this is, this is not just for India, this is for, for our global health. Mm-hmm. But in the case of India, we could ask the prime minister to please We have all this huge backlog of orders that are coming from India to please divert them back into India. Because so many, a huge chunk of the vaccines that are manufactured in India are not going to its own population. It's coming abroad.
0: Thank you, Sri. I appreciate that.
1: Okay. Thank you for having me.
0: That is Sri Paradkar, who is a Toronto Star uh, opinion writer.